Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I will give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Shannon Whittington. She is an LGBTQ plus nurse who was outed at work, and she's now working to make healthcare more inclusive. So I, that's all I wanted to share about Shannon because she's got more to tell to her story and what she's got going on. So thank you so much, Shannon, for being here today. Why don't you tell the audience more about you and what you've got going on and what you're passionate about? Thanks, Sarah, for having me here today. I'm excited to be on your podcast. My mission in life is to transform how healthcare is delivered to folks within the LGBTQ plus community, me being one of them, I'm a lesbian. And I also want to transform how organizations embrace us with workplace inclusion education. Any way that I can do that is my mission in life. So um, I feel like a one woman show trying to change the world. Yes. Well, and it is so important, you know, to be inclusive at work, to have people be able to be their authentic selves. So would you mind sharing a little bit kind of about, you know, your identity and what, you know, happened at work that got you on this crusade of wanting to make sure people find inclusion wherever they are? Well, I worked at a couple of hospitals in different states. Uh, I'm in, currently live in New York, but I'm sure by now your listeners can tell she's country because she's from Tennessee. Um, and I'd hid in all those workplaces, but, you know, nearly 50% of us hide for various reasons. And, uh, company I was working at when I moved to New York, I was hiding there also. It just never came up to come out, so to speak. Um, my mom says, if it comes up, it's going to come out. So, uh, and I was fine with that. You know, there was a lot of autonomy on that job. So it wasn't really like I was around people every day. I was a home care nurse. So I was just going into different patients' houses. And one weekend I went into the office to gather supplies for my bag. And, uh, this guy, gay guy, just asked in front of everybody, what are you and your wife doing this weekend? And, I think I turned three shades of gray, you know, at that moment. And you could have just heard a pin drop. And I just felt, well, outed, right? It just, just the whole thing scared. Um, I felt like my heart stopped beating. And no one really said anything, but that was the weekend. And by the next week, I knew that the rumor mill was busy. And so people started treating me differently and not everybody, but a few people. And I'd had a secretary that I worked with for years. I was one of her favorite managers and um, she came into the office because by this time I'd become a manager and she said, uh, Hey, uh, I heard your that away. You know how they do their hands, shake it back and forth. Right. And I said, are you asking me if I'm gay? She said, yeah, I heard, I heard you was that away. And I said, well, yeah, Lucy, I am. And she said, um, I can't get with that. I don't, I don't believe in that. And I said, okay. 
you know, what am I going to do? Try to change her belief system. So a week or so passed and she actually talked to another colleague that I'm actually friends with. And she told her, yeah, I just can't believe she's, you know, that away. And my colleague said, well, has she ever come on to you or did anything inappropriately with you? And Lucy was like, no, she ever said anything inappropriate? No, she ever touched you in any kind of way, made any type of jokes or sexual innuendos to you? And Lucy was like, well, no. She's like, so she's one of your favorite managers. Like she just happens to be gay. And I guess that sunk in with Lucy. Lucy was a senior citizen, you know, about to retire. And she came into my office the next week. She said, Shannon, you know, I really like you, you know, and, uh, I just figure I can't not like you just because of that part of you, you know? And she's like, you're like one of my favorites. And I said, well, Lucy, I'm still the same. I just happen to be gay. And that was a growing moment for her. We got up, we hugged and she was fine after that. But, um, it, it was once I was outed, it became easier to be out. But when I was living in other states, it just wasn't easy at all. I just had so much shame around it because I grew up in, in the Bible Belt, you know? So you had this good moment with Lucy. You know, you had clearly you had an ally, you know, and your friend kind of saying like, you know, Shannon's still Shannon. You just, there was something else about her. Um, so what has it then been like with other coworkers? Like, have you had similar sort of experiences now that, you know, you are more comfortably able to be out? Um, have other people kind of reacted in ways that are different or have you found more inclusion? I think I've been really lucky, you know, um, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily say it's because I live in New York and people are more open-minded because I really don't believe that to be the truth. Because the thing about down South, if people don't like something, they are just going to tell you, I don't like the gays, <laughs> you know, well, how do we get that name anyway? Cause we don't call people the straights, but they'll just say, I don't, but in New York, they won't come out and say it, you know, generally speaking. So I just say a few instances of being treated differently, you know, but overall, no problem at all. Like I think about my best friend at work who's straight with five children. We, before COVID, we ate lunch together every single day and with the door closed, you know, and I never thought about, oh, that could start a rumor, you know, and I don't think she ever thought about, oh, that could start a rumor. I don't even think it ever crossed her mind. But those are some of the things that we do think about because whether it's true or not, if someone says you're gay, trans or whatever, whether it's true or not, it can't be undone. Like once you come out, you can't go back in, <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just going to be out period. So I, then it was a matter of, am I out on social media? 
because we're talking about a broader audience, right? And I never planned that either, Sarah. I can tell you that. I never planned that either. I was just perusing on LinkedIn, putting my little post up and stuff. And I decided I wanted to be a speaker. So I was posting things about leadership. And one day I posted something that alluded to LGBT because no one was really talking about it. Like this was like four years ago and, or it wasn't showing up on my feed. Let me just say that. And, uh, that post got more engagement than any post. And I was like, wait a second, this is a missing link here on LinkedIn. And I just started posting LGBT content. Next thing you know, like my following starts to grow. I start getting asked to speak. Of course, I get some shady stuff in my comments sometimes, you know, that's going to happen. On all my platforms, I get that. How did this cringe show up on my feed is probably like the best line I've read so far. (laughs) Or I'll have, here's your LGBT tip of the day. And somebody posted, here's my tip. Don't give one. (laughs) um, I just, now I'm just out everywhere. So people who thought they knew or suspected, or I'm just out. And, and if you'd have told me that that's something I would have done, I or this is something I would be doing now on the LGBT platform, I would have said, no way. I'm too private for that. So being out in social media and work definitely sounds like a shock to you, but here you are. Um, so at any point previously before this incident at work, did you like consider coming out like in smaller circles or in certain instances, or was it always kind of only the people who have to know will know? It was kind of a combination. Um, it's mostly the small circle, you know, and I did once I was out it, my boss did treat me differently. I have to say, um, it was obvious, you know, it was very, very obvious. And, uh, I was like, wow, this is, I went from being her favorite to, you know, not being her favorite. Um, and then now I'm like the gay spokesperson, (laughs) you know, anything that is remotely gay, they run it by me. Does this sound right? Or what do you think about this, Shannon? You know, it's like, I'm the the expert now, you know, um, but just people who had to know same thing in my family, just people who had to know, um, because growing up in the church, I just didn't think I would be accepted by my family. And I had to accept myself. That's like a long time. Like I just had so much shame around it, you know, praying to be, pray the gay away, you know, um, but it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, now I'm married and married to a wonderful woman and life is beautiful and I wouldn't be anything else now. But at that time, oh my gosh, it was scary. And did you find acceptance in your family once you accepted it within yourself and did start to come out to people? I did. I, I'm just, I am incredibly lucky incredibly lucky. You know, I have a sister who, you know, lives far away. Don't really talk to that much. And, um, 
I sent my mom a bunch of books because my book came out, right? And I sent her like 10 books. And she said, oh, I'm going to save one for your sister. And I just said, oh, okay. But inside my heart was like, was she going to, because she's so religious, right? And I was like, oh man, I don't know how that's going to go. I was very nervous about that. This just happened recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it, right? Just recently. And so a few months passed and she said, Hey, your sister came down. She came down for, you know, such and such. And I gave her the book. She said, I had to fill her out first because I didn't know how she stood on these things. And I was like, Oh mother, I'm glad it's you doing that. And she said, you know what she said? And I said, no, she said, Oh, I'm so glad to get a book like this because I work with some of these people. <laughs> this is going to help me to know and understand them better. And I was, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was, I was so happy to hear that response. But I, it's, you know, it's so funny because the people you think won't have a problem do and the people you think will have a problem won't. I mean, you just, you just don't know. I mean, it's definitely something where you can't expect, like you can't predict people's responses. Um, and you know how you felt for so long um, with shame. But to hear, you know, that your sister is like, I I work with people in the LGBTQ plus community. Like I want to be able to understand more and not go to that jump of defensiveness. So what is your book titled and what is it like your personal story or is it also kind of more of like a learning educational book? Well, it's entitled LGBTQ plus ABCs for grownups. And it's kind of like uh, a 101, you know, LGBT 101, you know, kind of like that series for dummies. Right. But I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I want to say that in the title. Um, and it just goes over the basics. LGBTQIA2SP. What does that mean? What are all these flags? What's the thing with pronouns? What does being transgender mean? How can you be an ally? And so it, it's it's for people within the community that they can give to a family member who feels like they're the spokesperson for all gay people. Or for a colleague who, you know, you've heard say some things and you're like, eh, I don't know about that. Or just regular people who have family member, friends, colleagues, um, allies. It's really just very, very basic. You know, one of the reviews I got on Amazon said, and it's also a very short read, by the way. So it's kind of like a children's book in a way because it's illustrated. It's really cute. Uh, one of the reviews I got said, uh, very, very basic uh, good information, but very basic in things that I think most people know. And I thought, yeah, if only most people knew this, I wouldn't have to write a book like this, you know, because now what I find is that people don't want to read an encyclopedia about it. They just want to know the basic stuff to get them through a conversation so they don't offend people. That's what I, I find, you know, and so you are, are you thinking about kind of writing a, a level two book per se that, you know, kind of goes that step further for people who know, like already knew the basics and are like, but I want to know more and understand more. Yeah. Um, so 
The next one is going to be LGBTQ plus patient-centered care for healthcare providers. And it'll be a short read too, because again, nobody's reading encyclopedias. So I watched, which I don't think they are, you know? Um, so yeah, it's for, and then I'll probably write another one on the surgeries because I have a subspecialty in um, transgender, non-binary gender affirmation surgeries. I teach nurses how to take care of these patients with their new body parts when they come home. So that's, that has a lot of intrigue for a lot of people, a lot of interest. So something about, I've, still, I've got six books in my head. I've already started on the third one. So yeah, once I started, I was like, oh boy, it's on now. It's, this is going to be like an anthology. <laughs> well, and so then, you know, you kind of mentioned how you're a little bit of, you know, a spokesperson at work, you know, is this okay? Like, was, you know, checking in uh, when it comes to, say, certain terms or, or whatever it may be. And you're, of course, expanding on, you know, furthering education of people, you know, especially in healthcare. So what is it like kind of being that knowledge base? And do you ever find yourself being like, well, I need to like kind of do my research and connect with people who say it more directly aligns with like what they're going through? Yeah. I mean, when I first started this work, I recognized my knowledge deficit right away. And I went back and got my master's and I did my practicum at CTMS, which is the Center for Transgender Medicine and Surgery, to learn as much as possible. Because if I was going to be developing a program around this, then I needed to learn. And then I uh, developed the program. The program came very successful. It's seven years running now. We've gotten over $4 million in funding. And, but I still recognized I had more knowledge deficits. So I went back and got my doctorate and last April, you know, pretty recently, I don't ever want to do that again, but I'm glad I did it. But, uh, I still recognize my own knowledge deficits. I mean, it's a constant learning for me. You know, the, the language is fluid is linguistically fluid. It changes. Like when we first started, I said, I'm a lesbian. I used to think that was a bad word. It felt like a bad word to me. And then I get an intern. The first thing she says is I'm lesbian. And I'm asking my social worker, oh, we can say that now. She's like, of course. I'm like, why don't you tell me? And she's like, you don't like the word. I said, well, I got to like it now if it's in, you know? So I think that's what you do when you realize that you don't know something. Uh, and, and, you know, I was speaking to a client today and it's a huge organization and they're all over the country and they're deep in it. You know, and I felt like, well, gosh, I think I could learn from them, you know, what they're teaching. But a lot of companies I work with, they're just dipping into the kiddie pool with this information. Kudos to them, though, you know, because this is a start. But I have to dip into the kiddie pool. I can't go on the nine feet yet because they're not ready. <laughs> of course. And so what is the climate like as things are changing in healthcare, is there more inclusivity, say, for patients or for coworkers? I I'm optimistic and hopeful. Uh, the more I get invited, the more I realize that it's changing. Where, but before, when I first started this work, it was just rejection after rejection. 
they nobody was interested. And even the research shows like the average healthcare provider, nurse particular, gets about two hours of education in this area. Every semester I get a, a nursing student from Ivy League to no league. And I ask them, hey, had any training in this? And nine times out of 10, they say no. So I'm still waiting to meet that nurse who got the 2.2 hours, unless that, that nurse tells me, oh, I did an elective. So, but now I'm starting to be invited. Like I spoke at Columbia University. I just got a text before we signed on here today. A hospital in Connecticut wants me to come and speak. I just left Connecticut like last month. So I think it's people are realizing, you know, in the healthcare industry that, I mean, if you think about it, we're 20 million strong, right? It's probably even more than that because so many of us hide, right? Especially trans folks, right? Many of them are stealth. So we're next to you. You know, we're driving the Uber. We're serving your burgers. You know, we're checking you in the hotel. We're flying your planes. You know, I always say we're like the uh, nooks and crannies in, in the uh, Eggo waffle. <laughs> you know, the syrup just goes down and all those nooks and crannies. English muffin, English muffin. And I'm like, that's how gay people are. We're like the nooks and crannies. We're in communities. We're in your churches. What did Celia say on your on your show? She said, I'm Christian. You know, so am I. Like that surprises people. Yes, I have a belief system. I grew up in the church. Just being gay doesn't mean that I'm no longer a believer. And I've gone to church since being out. And guess what? It didn't fall in on me. And do you, do you find acceptance in your church? Like, was it hard to find a church where you could be out and comfortable or was it relatively easier nowadays? I don't think it's easier nowadays. I mean, there's a gay church here in New York. I don't go to it, but I grew up in the church, you know, and stuck with that for a really long time. Now I'll go if I have to sing or something like that, but I'm not like there every Sunday, (laughs) you know, because, you know, when I used to go, that would come up sometimes. And then there I would be feeling that shame again. And I don't need that. I can feel shame on my own. You know, Tyler Perry's, you know, place says I can do bad by myself. Well, I can feel shame by myself. I don't need you to, you know, add on to it. You know, it takes a lot to accept who you are, to accept being different in a straight world, right? Well, everyone is, I'm very femme. I know the listeners can't see me, but I'm very femme. I have a hard time convincing people I was gay when I was younger and trying to date. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You know, I'm like, gay can look a lot of different ways, you know? So do you still at times find yourself feeling shame around your identity? Not anymore. But I didn't start to feel really comfortable. Like I I see these young kids now who know who they are, nine years old, you know, 15, 16, 17. I, Lord have mercy. I'm not, I'm like probably the latest bloomer you've ever talked to on your show. Like really built, like I didn't come out till I was in my mid thirties because I didn't know, you know, I just knew it didn't feel right to be with guys. I know what it was. I was like, you know what? I don't like this. Um, so I don't think I really started to feel comfortable, comfortable until my late thirties, early forties and, and not comfortable enough to be 
on social media and on this platform only within the last four or five years, you know? So it's a process, you know, it really is. And like, we don't fly the pride flag here in our house. Like we don't have it on our car. Um, and, you know, I walk around the neighborhood and some houses have it in the front lawn. We don't, we won't, you know, I just still don't think here's a prime example. Like I speak all over, right. And I film the stuff cause I put it on social media. I never post where I am until I've headed on the plane back to where I live. Cause I don't want to get jumped in the elevator. Because we can say, oh, it's not that bad, but with, with all the anti-trans LGBT bills, many of which are being passed, over 400-something, um, th- those aren't aliens making up those bills. Those are people who have very strong views. I don't want to run into one of them in the elevator. Yeah. That's probably good safety for anyone about yeah. posting your location online. Oh, oh yeah, Absolutely. But I, I don't ever post, oh, I'm headed down to Florida now. I'm speaking at the uh, neonatal conference for, you know, this. No, 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 no. That goes after. Yeah. And so then, you know, you've got this platform now. You know, you are speaking. You are sharing with other people. And so your life is a little bit more public, but also still private. So how do you kind of balance that? And where does you know, kind of life with a happy spouse, like where does that fall into being this public yet private person? You know, it's, it's very interesting because my wife is very private and, um, I guess last summer the paper, the local paper did a story on the trainings that do around gender affirmation surgeries. And they came here to the house and interviewed me and everything, took pictures and stuff. The small little community newspaper. They put they put me on the front page. I wasn't expecting that. So my wife was like, that's not safe. Like, I can't believe I said, I didn't think they were gonna put me on the front page, you know. I said, I said, babe, nobody reads that paper. Don't worry about it. Oh my God, I walked my dog the next day. I saw you in the paper. I saw you in the paper. I saw you in the paper. I got kind of nervous, you know, because my wife can't be out where she works. And, you know, I kind of want to move a little bit further up. She's like, oh no, we can't, babe. Because she kept saying she didn't like the house. She didn't like this house. She didn't like that house. I was like, can't like not like all the houses I'm showing you like come on you know and then she finally said well we, we can't go up there I'm like well why not I might run into a co-worker I'm like well so what she's like I'll be outed not good like can you believe that this day and age Sarah like not being able to move to a certain area because you don't want to be outed so still a big part of our life is private You know, I don't hold her hands in public. I don't hold her hand in the restaurant. None of that. I, I, I just don't, it's just not, it's not safe in my opinion. 
And is that like easy to kind of balance that sort of different sort of you had a lot of that hiding, not mm-hmm. being able to be out and you still have kind of part of that, like when you're out in public with your wife, whereas like if you're by yourself and talking or speaking or whatever it may be, like, is that like, are you kind of having to split that mentality or is that like, you're kind of just, you understand where your wife is. So therefore it's okay. I understand where she is, but it's not okay. <laughs> It's not okay. I I would prefer that I w- that wasn't the case, but you know, we have to be safe. And is there you know any point? Do you see on the horizon that she'd be able to come out at work, or is no. it just kind of like a... no, 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 no. And so then you're, you know, trying to help with inclusivity at work, her work aside, what are you, you know, are you like reaching out to places proactively or places reaching out to you? Like, how are you kind of making those connections? Because, you know, like that one Amazon review said like, oh, people already know this, but people don't. Mm hmm. Most of the engagements, invitations I get are on LinkedIn, but I have started to do outreach recently and just in the last few weeks, but pretty much everything comes on LinkedIn or word of mouth, you know? Um, yeah. And so then are you still balancing like being a nurse alongside all of your speaking and engagement? How is that like your day to day with a lot going on and different passions? Oh, it's a lot going on. Like I feel very lucky because I run a program that's just called a gender affirmation program. And I basically teach the nurses. And so I answer calls when they're with the patient or they're scared about something or something's bleeding, something fell out, something like that. Um, and I enjoy that work immensely. So it aligns with my passion with my own consulting company. So I really feel like the luckiest girl in the world when it comes to that, but it really took a long time to get to that point. And I feel like I'm able to balance it pretty good. You know, I showed up on time tonight, (laughs) which isn't always the case. And are, are you seeing more sort of, um, people like you in the workplace that there is someone you can reach out to in those situations of making sure people feel comfortable with their healthcare? Like, are there always places for people to reach out to, or is it kind of like you're in this really good workspace that that even exists? Well, you know, we have uh, an excellent, but we have like ERGs, right, for pride and trans and stuff like that. So people know who they can reach out to and uh, be it confidential or whatever, and they feel comfortable enough. And I always tell them, you can text me, you can email me, it can be anonymous. You know, I don't out anyone. Like I've had so many people on LinkedIn tell me they're trans or they're gay. And 
what they would like to be called or they'll say something like, I could tell you something about me that you wouldn't believe. And then I know where the conversation is going, you know, but I don't out anyone. I just want them to feel like I am a safe space for them to talk. You know, the nurses will call and say, my four-year-old is telling me that they are a boy, but my kid was born a girl. What should I do? They don't want to wear shirts. They want to wear swim trunks and that's it, you know, things like that. And so how do you kind of navigate those conversations and give advice, especially with, you know, people being more confident about their identities at at younger ages or starting to vocalize it if, you know, uh, the parents or an older generation just doesn't understand? I get a lot of parents, you know, and that's not my area of expertise. Um, Mine is in adult care, right? But I know what I would have wanted for my parents. And, And the first thing I tell them is love your kid. I always start with that. Love your kid, support your kid. If your kid is being bullied at school or, or in the playground or, or wherever, if they know they can come home to a supportive parent, it makes all the difference in the world. But a lot of those kids don't have that because when you think about our homeless youth in this country, nearly 50% of them fall within the LGBTQ community, nearly 50%. That's a lot. So they get tossed out. I don't know if you know about Trans Santa. Do you know about Trans Santa on IG? It's called Trans Santa. This is a uh, platform for trans kids to post their wish list for Christmas. And they write letters to a Trans Santa. And you just go on there and see whatever, you know, resonates with you and you buy the gift or whatever. And I've been doing it for two years. This will be my third year. And the letters that I read on there are just, you know, kids being thrown out because they're trans, uh, just horrible. And, And now we're having this sort of like a migration of trans kids and their families leaving certain States because affirming care has been banned People are uprooting families and everything, and they're coming here to New York for care. Like This is an expensive place to live, you know? And imagine having a kid, and they can't get affirming care, and you have to uproot your entire life and move to another, another state. That's what's happening. And is that something that like kind of also brought you to New York because you were originally from, you know, the South or mm-hmm. was that just kind of a happenstance? I came up here when I was in high school and I always knew that because I grew up in such a small town, 183,000 people. That's not small for some folks, but for me, that's a small town. And I knew I just wanted to do more exciting things. And so uh, I didn't even know I was gay at the time. So I moved to Atlanta. I lived there for a couple of years and then I came up here and this was it for me. I mean, like this was where I wanted to be now, having been here like all these years, I'm ready to go. (laughs) You know, I've had enough of New York City, trust me. But everything that excited me about it then now I'm not excited about. (laughs) 
<laughs> I miss the I, I miss the horizontal living, you know, because everything's vertical here. So, um, but I, fortunately, I live in like a kind of like a little suburb thing. I got a little yard and stuff, so it's not too bad. Where would you ideally like to end up if not New York City? I know, like that's what we struggle with. Like, where is the utopia? Like, I don't, you know, definitely a gay friendly town. I know can't find a totally gay friendly state. And I don't know where, cause I, 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 I don't want to be around in the, in the cold so much, you know? So if you find that out, let me know. All right. Hey, Shannon, I think you should move to X. Okay. You know, yeah. It can't be the West Coast because I don't want to get the, the earthquakes and I want to avoid the winter. So I'm, I'm limiting my options here. Just a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. balancing climate versus city versus rural versus making sure you just feel comfortable to be able to be you. Mm-hmm. So true. So what is it like, you know, being this spokesperson, being able to share your story and being able to help educate others. Like, how is that for you knowing where you grew up and what you've experienced? Sometimes I can't believe that, you know, I'm doing what I do. Like I'm a country girl who grew up on a farm with cows, chickens, and hogs. Like, You know, you can't get, I had a pet pig. I mean, you just can't get much more country than that, right? And to, you know, be flying all over the country doing this and writing books and getting all kind of awards and being invited here and there and being an inspiration to people. And they come up to me afterwards crying, telling me about how this moved them or their kid, their daughter, keep doing what you're doing. It's just, it's very rewarding and I'm happy to help. I feel like if I can touch one person, you know, I feel like I've made a difference and I feel an obligation to spread this information because I don't feel like I would have been giving this desire if it wasn't something that was needed. I feel, you know, spiritually led to do this work. I feel like this is what God wants me to do. And God is using me as a mouthpiece that, you know, love is love and We're all different, but we're really all the same because we're all human. It sounds like, you know, you've kind of come a long way from childhood and you're, you know, predominantly in a good place. Now, before I start to wrap things up today, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners? Well, I'd like to thank the listeners for listening. (laughs) I'd like to thank you for having me here today. And if your listeners feel like I could add value to their organization, they can certainly reach out to me and I'd be happy to have a conversation around that. I'll definitely be making sure to leave some of your contact information. People can get in touch with you if they're interested. At the end of all my episodes, I do ask all of my guests a random question. It doesn't have to do with anything that we've been talking about. I'm nervous about this because this we don't know what the question is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I can always cut out a pause if you know you can't you can't think of something immediately. That is okay. Okay. My question for you today is: What is the perfect age? The age that you are right now. 
And why would you, why would you say that that is the perfect age? Because it's something that you can't control. So you might as well embrace what you are and where you are. And I feel like I'm the perfect age right now. All right, that brings this episode to a close. So of course, if you would like to connect with Shannon, I will be leaving her website and LinkedIn in the description. So those are the best ways to connect with her. And of course, they connect to her other social media as well. I'll also be leaving a link to her book. As she mentioned, it's a short read. So if you're looking for some of that basic ABCs, you know, go check out her book. It will be linked directly in the description. And of course, if you would like to connect with the podcast, our website is in the description. As always, it brings you to our social media. We are on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. It also brings you to all of our past episodes, social media, resources, all of those things. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast and share your story, my email is in the description. That's always the best way to reach out to me. And if you'd like to support the podcast monetarily, that support is always appreciated. And there is a link to do that as well. So thank you so much, Shannon, for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.